We get to start a brand new sermon series today. It's kind of a short introduction for me uh, today, but um, I want you to think about something with me for a minute. Um, think about the songs that you sing that move you. Like you driving down the car, there's certain songs when they come on, what are you going to do? You're going to crank it up. If it's summertime, you're going to roll down the windows and you don't care if anybody's watching. Uh, there's certain songs that just grab you, right? And you just start singing at the top of your lungs. And Maybe that's just me. But there's certain songs that really, and when you think about them, there's memories attached to those songs. Often uh, good memories, sometimes not so good memories, but there, there are things that remind you of, uh, of thoughts and places and ideas and people you were with. And, and so songs have the ability to move us. And, and a really a, 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 a kind of a, a significant way, and we don't even realize it sometimes. That's why, like, have you ever tried watching a movie without music? It's so anticlimactic. I mean, because you're like watching, it's like, this is like weird. And they add the sound backing to it. And then whether it's the creepy music or the suspenseful music right before something bad happens, I mean, the music adds to what you are experiencing. Um, I want you to think about something with me. When, you, when we read the Psalms and Scripture, the Psalms were songs for the Israelites. And so there were these memories, they were these emotions attached to what they were hearing. Some of the Psalms, like the Psalms of Ascent in Psalm 120 through 134, were, were sung uh, by the pilgrims as they traveled to Jerusalem each year for the different festivals. And so they would sing these, and it would remind them of what it meant to follow God, what it meant to obey God. And it was like songs that, that really had a deep meaning to them. Some of the psalms are more emotional. They share their frustrations. They share what, uh, you know, what like David was experiencing, his grief or his sorrow or uh, just his, uh, you know, it just is, you know, you see his heart sometimes and you read these Psalms and you're like, man, he's confused. He's hurting. He's in pain. And I'm like, that's the type, right? I mean, when you, it, it's the human experience. It's the human condition. And, and then some of the Psalms are just Psalms of celebration. Um, and just, just being able to celebrate who God is and what he's done. We want to spend the next four weeks, we're just going to pick four different psalms, and our goal is that I hope they move us in the same kind of way, that when you go back and read these psalms, that you'll, there'll be more than just words on a page, that you'll, you'll experience, right, the, the, the profound meaning behind them, that they will help you understand more about who God is and how we can worship Him. And, and so, let me ask you a, a question this morning. And, and I don't know if you've ever thought about, th about this, but why do we sing in church? Why do we sing in church? It's like kind of for some, if, if you take someone that has never been in church before and you stick them into a worship service and they come in here and I, I think we have an incredible worship team. I think we have great worship services each and every week, um, but they're going to come in. And they're going to say, this is kind of weird. Would you agree with that? <laughs> Because people aren't you. Where else in life do we gather as a group? Of, I mean, do you get to work and everybody? Let's sing a song together, guys. 
let, let's, just, let's just break out. I mean, it's like when you watch a musical, you're like, that's not real life. People don't go around singing all day. But then we come to church, and I'm like, we're like, God, stand up and sing. And, and you're like, why do we? So many people struggle with that. And I, I, I hope, again, as we go through this series, that you really learn a little bit more about why we sing. This whole series is called Anthem. And you're like, well, what does Anthem mean? If you look up the, def- the definition, an anthem is a song or hymn or of praise or gladness. It's a song or, or a hymn of praise or gladness. There's, there's something, you know, exuding out of us that we're thankful, we're grateful, uh, we're appreciative. Um, another definition, it's a usually rousing popular song that typifies or is identified with a particular subculture movement or a point of view. And so when you read that, I mean, I mean, that's what an anthem is. There's some of these songs we sing that are just anthems of the faith. And there's certain hymns that you remember, they're just anthems of the faith because they move you in a way. When you hear them, man, I mean, you just, it just, it just immediately you perk up and you want to sing louder. And you're like, man, I love that song. I love what it means. I love how it speaks to me. So why do we sing? Here's what Paul said in the book of Ephesians. And uh, in, in chapter 5, he said this. He said, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Pretty, pretty plain statement there. Instead, though, be filled with something else. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of, of, the, of our Lord Jesus Christ. So why do we sing? We're commanded to. Because it's just something that comes out of us. If we have joy in the Lord, if we realize what he's done for us, it's something we cannot contain and hold in and hold back. And so I know some of you just, you're not, you're like, but I can't, Mike, that all sounds good, but you have you really heard me sing? Can y'all relate? Um, here's the thing. It's not about us. <laughs> it's about Jesus. It's about honoring him and worshiping God for who he is and what he has done in our life. And so it's not about how do I look and how do I sound and what are people going to think about me. It's about, man, I'm so joyful, I can't hold it in. That's why we sing. Have you ever heard the the statement, like, why do we exist? Have you you ever heard the statement that our chief end is to glorify God? You heard that statement? Let me give you a little background on that. Um, about 400 years ago, a group of Puritan preachers and elders, they came together and they produced something called the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And it's been used to teach the basics of the faith uh, really ever since. And what a catechism is, it's a set of questions and answers that are used to communicate theology uh, to children, to adults. Um, And it's just a series of questions and answers. And the very first question is, what is the chief end of man? And in other words, what are we here for? What is my purpose? Why do I exist? And the answer given is simply this. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Man's chief, it's to glorify God, to give him glory and to enjoy him. And, And so let me just ask you a little bit. When you come to church, do you come to church to glorify God and to enjoy him? I think some of the reasons, right, um, 
I, I think so many people hate going to church because maybe one, churches don't do a good job showing people how to glorify God. Let's be honest. I think sometimes that's part of the problem. Churches come and you you hear more about uh, what it ever you know mo- the the how you should feel happy and healthy and joyful today, and it's all about you and it's not about glorifying God. And we've kind of flipped it around and made it a man-centered service instead of a God-centered service. I think that's one problem. I think another problem, though. Um, is that maybe people come to a church expecting to get something out of it that was never intended to give. I think sometimes we come to church expecting it to be like, how are you going to, uh, how are you going to, you know, uh, impress me today? Uh, I want to hear some good music. I want I wanted this to be about me again. And instead, it's not coming to church to glorify God and to enjoy him. Can I just tell you that church is not about creating an emotional experience? It's not about creating an intellectual experience. It's, it, it's, it's about experiencing the power and the presence of God. It, it's about glorifying Him and enjoying Him forever. So as we worship, that's real. I mean, worship is all about Him, and it's all about understanding who God really is and what He has done. And if he has saved you, if he has saved you, we've got so much to be joyful about. Now, I'm going uh, I'm, I'm to talk to our online viewers for just a minute. Um, uh, and so I, here's the thing. When we sing in a room, when we glorify God, there's energy. I, I was just amazed this morning, just like standing in the back of the room, watching everybody praising God and hands lifted up and hearing voices all over the room. I love that experience. At home, when you're watching online, it's a little bit different. But I still think we need to be glorifying God. We need to be singing psalms and and spiritual songs and hymns of faith and and letting those come out of our mouth. And so it's a little weird, right, when you're by yourself in your living room or you're going down the road in your car. And our tendency is to be an observer of the service instead of being a participant in the service. And so if you're online, let me just tell you, don't fall into that trap of just observing worship. Jump in and participate, even if you're by yourself. I know it may seem a little crazy, right? But that, that's part of worship. Um, that's part. And there's, there's something magical that happens when we come together in person, too. I love the experience. I love hearing my brothers and sisters in Christ uh, and see them. And, and, you know, being gone the last three weeks, I've really missed you guys. And I've missed seeing and I'm, I'm like uh, hoping. Like, I mean, I'm like, uh, uh, we had an elders retreat this weekend. I'm asking the guys, well, has so-and-so been there? And has so-and-so? And have they been there? And how are they doing? And I'm, I mean, I'm like, I'm, I'm just, there's something about the community we have and how we worship together. And so as we look through Scripture, there's just so many verses. And again, this is this morning, I just kind of want to give us an introduction a little bit. Um, but as you read, you just read about how we are called to, we are created to be worshipers. We are created with this God-shaped vacuum in our heart, right, that only God can fill. And, and so we read, like in Psalm 29, Honor the Lord, you heavenly beings. Honor the Lord for his glory and strength. Honor the Lord for the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. 
We read in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul says this, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, you do it for the glory of God. Uh, and if Paul says in Ephesians, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. It's as a result of what God has done in our life that leads us to worship. Philippians, he says this, Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor. He gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You and I were made to worship God. That's, that's, we were made to worship. The central function of the church then is to glorify and worship God through Jesus Christ. It's to give you that opportunity. It's to come together and worship, to honor him, not just through singing, but through his word. And so we do that as we gather together. First Peter says it this way, you are living, you are the living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest through the mediation of Jesus Christ. You offer, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. And then in Revelation, this one is the one that should really get our ten, uh, attention. In Revelation 5, heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, they sang, they sang, right? Blessing and honor. And glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. For eternity, we're going to be singing. And so I know some of y'all are like, man, I don't like, I don't like music. I don't like to sing. I don't like to hear myself. In eternity, you're not going to be able to hold it back. So why hold it back now? Why hold it back now? I want to just read one of the Psalms to you today. It's Psalm 19. If you have your Bible, we're going to go through it real quick. Um, C.S. Lewis declared Psalm 19 to be the greatest poem in all of the Psalms and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. And so in Psalm 19, it just takes us through how God reveals himself to us. And so I, I want to just, the, the first way he reveals himself to us uh, through the heavens God reveals himself to us through the heavens. Have y'all noticed how beautiful the sunsets and the sunrises have been lately? Shorter days, it's just been like, it's like the sky is on fire. Uh, when we were down at the Gulf Coast a couple weeks ago, we were able to see the sunset over the ocean. So it's like every night, we're like, let's go out to the beach. We, we got to go out to the beach to watch the sunset. Uh, and it looked like the water was just on fire as it set every night. And I took way, way, way too many pictures uh, of the sunset because they all looked the same. And they, none of them do it justice, right? Uh, but when we look at the heavens, it declares the glory of God. And let me just read Psalm 19, 1 through 6 here. It says, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display His craftsmanship. 
Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or a word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. I just love that, I mean, in this psalm already what we're seeing, uh, we're seeing David just talk about the majesty of creation. And what he's really telling us is no one has an excuse. We all have seen God. We all have seen evidence of God. And that evidence is every single day the world around us. Now, we live in a beautiful part of the world. I really, I mean, as we've traveled, I think the more I've traveled, the more I've realized how pretty it is here. In the Blue Ridge Mountains here, we get to see how incredible it is. Um, but it doesn't matter where you live, there is beauty and creation all around you. And all we have to do to see evidence of God is just to look up, to look out, to look at the heavens. And then when you realize how big space is, and it's like scientists are still learning, there's more and more and more and more and more, and it's bigger and bigger and bigger. It's, it's not even... It's not even, we can't even comprehend how big outer space is and how many planets and how many galaxies and how many, it's just mind-blowing. But then you start looking just here in our world and how many insects and how many uh, animals and how many plants and how many, uh, the ocean is so vast and it just, you start realizing we haven't even fully explored and understand the world that we live in here today. We are still learning the extravagant uh, creativeness of the God that created it all. There's no way that this all happened by accident. It, 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 what we see is the, how God created this world we live in. And because of that, right, because of this creation that everybody in every nation, everybody has access to, everybody can see the evidence of this, right? Every single day we can look at our surroundings and be overwhelmed by the goodness of our God. Um, Romans 1, I don't have it on the screen for you, but it just says uh, in verse 19, they knew the truth about God because he made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. That's what Romans tells us. We have no excuse. Why? Because God has revealed himself to us through the magnificence of his creation. So that's the first thing. But as we keep going, we see that God reveals himself to us through his word. God reveals himself to us through his word. 
The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. And so what we see is what we see is God has created this world. And even though the creation is magnificent, we have more evidence of him and his plan and, and his role in our life when we see Scripture. When we see his word, when we see his law, his commands, his precepts, his instruction, what we see is that the God who created this world still cares about this world and is still involved in this world. And he wants a relationship with us. Um, One of the commentaries said this. It said, the reason the revelation of God and his word is superior to the natural revelation lies in its clarity and its openness to all. God's written revelation manifests a perfect internal harmony between God and his word. God's word reflects God's integrity, his uprightness, his fidelity. His statutes are true in principle and are verifiable in every situation of life. It is right in the sense of straightforward and just. God's word is not just, God's word is not perverse or crooked, but it encourages the godly to be upright. And it causes integrity, loyalty, uprightness, purity, and growth and righteousness. And so the heavens declare God's glory. But then we're invited to to find our place in his story through his word. And that leads me to my final point today. And it's simply this. God reveals himself to our hearts. And he does that through his word. And so we're left with no excuse. There is a God. So how do we respond? He has given us his word to to give us instruction and to to guide us in life and to to help us to lead us into the truth so that we can have a relationship with the God who created this wonderful world that we live in. And so his word is like a mirror to us that helps us see who we really are. In verse 11 in Psalm 19, it says, uh, they are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who listen uh, to those who obey them. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You see why this Psalm 19 is such a majestic psalm. Because it reveals who God is through creation. It leads us to his word. And then it brings us to the place of saying, okay, in light of all this, how am I going to live my life? How am I going to change? How am I going to follow and obey God as a result of what I've just learned and read and experienced? And and so uh, my my challenge to you, I mean, David, is he's not afraid to say, hey, there's sin in my life. I want you to point it out in me. I don't want to hide from it. I don't want to act like everything is good and perfect. If there's anything in me that displeases you, then help me bring it out and repent of it so that I can follow you. That needs to be our prayer, guys. As a church, it's like the more we recognize God's holiness, the more we recognize our sinfulness. 
And so the more we realize how perfect God is, the more we realize we are separated from him because we are not perfect. We are sinful. And the only way we can bridge that gap is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only way we can bridge that gap is to realize that Jesus died on our behalf to take our punishment and in exchange to give us his righteousness. And so today, here's my simple invitation. As we start learning each of these Psalms that we're going to be studying the next few weeks, my prayer is that we would see them for what they are, a call to us to to a deeper level of obedience in Jesus, a call to understand who God is and what he has done in our life. And so that's my prayer today. We, We don't have any excuse if, you, if you're here, if you're watching online, you're saying, I don't, I don't know about this God. I don't know about Jesus. And I don't, you have no excuse because all you have to do is look around you to see the goodness of God. There's evidence everywhere we look. And, and so I, I'm going to ask you to pray with me today. The praise team's going to come back up and we're going to enter into our response time. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, there's so much goodness. There's so much beauty. There's so much majesty all around us. Lord, open our eyes to be able to see it and experience it. Open our eyes to help us understand who you are and how much you love us. You loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross, to take our pain, to take our sin, to take our shame upon himself. And he loved us so much that while we were still sinners, He died for us. And as he died on that cross, he forgave us of our sin. He gave us a new life. And he gave us his righteousness. He brought us into the family of God. And so my prayer, Lord, is that for every person in this place, every person watching, that they would be able to to boldly, to proudly uh, proclaim that, yes, I, I know who Jesus is. He has saved me. There's no doubt in my life, there's no doubt in my heart that who, what God has done. And because of that, I'm going to worship. I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to hold back. I'm not going to worry what everyone else is thinking. But I'm just going to honor God. I'm going to glorify God and I'm going to enjoy Him forever. So that's our prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, help us to be worshipers. Help us to be people who are not afraid to acknowledge who you are in our life. Help us to be people who are just telling others naturally every day about who you are and what you've done. Help us to be that type of person, Lord, that people just see Jesus in us as you work through us. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for Jesus. It's in his name we pray today. Amen.